Yeah, my name's Chris. Right now, I'm you know I do speaking gigs here and there, powerlifter, and I'm trying to kind of dabble in the real estate world. Outside of that, it's just kind of an open book for me. <laughs> I I think for me, it's like a heartbreak story. It's just very you know, it's new to me still because um, my longest relationship before this one was probably like a month, month and a half. And going from a month to a half to basically, I like to say like two to three years because we spent a year knowing each other and then got together. Yeah, it was a whole new experience for me. And it was definitely, uh, I don't want to say it was a great experience due to the outcome of it, but it is something that really did help me out a lot. <laughs> Learning how to, I guess, discipline myself from not being stuck in that bubble that many people are, you know, when they get to the whole big depression and basically let that ruin their life. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll start from the good part. Um, relationships can be challenging. We're tasked with learning not only more about ourselves in a relationship, but at the same time, we're learning about another person. Put that all together, we then have to understand how the both of you work together. Hey there, I'm JD. This is the What's Your Story podcast. There's so much happening at one time as a relationship evolves. We can sometimes find ourselves in uncharted territory, overwhelmed by what is happening and how to continue navigating in our world. Chris found himself in this situation back in 2020, and how the story unfolded will sound all too familiar for many of us out there. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash Fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. It was 2020. <laughs> the beginning of 2020, right before COVID shut down. Um, we were, I worked out at the gym every day at five in the morning. She happened to, I'm a very, I wasn't a very spiritual guy at the time, but I knew there was like a sign that was given to me there. 
because she, one, she never lived near my gym. She lived like 30, 40 minutes away from my gym. So we work out. She randomly found me on Instagram and, you know, she's the one that actually approached me. Um, didn't take it as much. I was just like, maybe she's just being really friendly. From January to, I'll see, March when COVID started, um, we had nothing to do. I had nowhere to go. Work was temporarily shut down for a while, and he rambly again messaged me as well. Like, hey, let's hang out. We actually hung out. And I think because of the COVID, we're kind of forced to really get to know each other, our wives, and know everything because we can't really use the distractions of going to the movies, going to dinner. So we literally got to really know each other. Uh, yeah. And around July, I ended up catching feelings for her. <laughs> and, you know, I, I asked her, you know, I mean, I didn't I, mean, I told her my feelings and she was the complete opposite at the time. She's like, I don't have feelings for you in that way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so we stopped talking for a while. And the weirdest thing ever is every time she was tr- almost out of my mind, she'd always message me out the blue. Yeah, so I was just like, so I guess something's messing with me. And the last time we hung out that time was around her birthday. And then and then we stopped talking for like a while. I got blocked. We blocked each other. No communication. I go to the gym again at five in the morning every day. I'm going home and I pass this go to my gym every day. And for some weird reason I decided to look at a street sign. And the street sign was her name. That exact same day. Five hours later or so, he gave me maybe like, I don't know, six paragraph, basically like an essay saying, you know, her feelings toward me, like she wants to be with me and everything. There are typically many questions running through our minds when starting a relationship. Do they really like me? Could things get serious? Is this the right choice? And where is this going? In this transitional period, we spend about as much time analyzing the relationship as we do participating in it. With everything from our casual text messages to our deepest confessions of love up to scrutiny, it's easy to get sidetracked from the simple truth of how we feel and what we want. It's tempting to say, just listen to your heart. But when it comes to starting a relationship, your mind plays an important role. Starting a relationship can be joyful. It can be a stress-free experience when we learn to tune in to what's important and to tune out the second-guessing, insecure, and critical thoughts that lead us astray. You know, we start off as any, any typical couple. We still have baggages of our own. Uh, me, I I went celibate. I was seven years celibacy, eight years without being in a relationship because I wanted to truly focus on myself. To now learning how to be with someone. Learning, you know everything in a relationship and it's all new to me again due to the fact that the last relationship I had was high school (laughs) so we had a bunch of our bumps and everything and um we started picking it up again and due to that I I believe due to the whole 2020 year of uh us getting to really know each other try to you know dig deeper more than just what we like uh when we got together uh what was this maybe seven months together I end up proposing. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, it was so weird because I was the guy that was anti-marriage, anti-everything. Like, that was not my thing due to the fact that 
my longest relation before her was like, like I said, a month and a half. So I was just like, no. I was trying to be in denial for the whole time, and then something just like, she's the one for you. And I'm like, okay, I proposed, and I believe from that proposal day is where it kind of started going downhill. No one goes into a relationship wanting a partner who is mean, manipulative, and controlling. In most cases, the partner seems fine at first. They may be rough around the edges, but their good outweighs the bad. Then, their true selves begin to show. They become plain and sufferable. You're soon in a relationship with them for a long time, and ending things is just hard. Maybe you have a kid or rely on them for your income or just emotional stability. It can be easy to get complacent even when you're not happy. And while you can't always see the real face of your partner until a long time has passed, there could be subtle red flags early in a relationship that may indicate that they're not relationship material. Um, for me, it was... There was a bunch of red flags after the, after the proposal that I should have, I'll say, pointed out rather than be like, you know what, I 100% trust you. I believe you. It's not ever going to happen again. So... The first two months were good. Two, three months. It was new to us. We're like, we're so happy. We've never been married. It was like, this is new. And uh, October, I went like on a men's retreat. And one of her, like her ex before me ended up sliding in her messages. And she didn't entertain it. No. Um, but she did keep it from me for maybe like a week or two. Um, she talked about it. And then, I'm, you know, instead of me being like, he needs to be blocked never talked to him again I was like you know what I trust you he's not gonna ever come up again and I think from then till further on we had to have we wanted to get the whole wedding thing already over with so and I decided to put too much on my plate you know spending over like 20k in like 6 months on a wedding yeah um yeah January came after that. I started working a lot. I this was also my fault. I decided I distanced myself from her because every time I looked at her, I thought of the wedding, and I was like, I have to pay for the wedding. And if I'm with you, I'm not paying the wedding. So I started putting myself in that horrible mindset of I'm trying to make something for her. As a guy, it is really is because. We dis- we are we will distance ourselves to try to make something happen for someone that we love, no matter what we have to do. When we come back from the break, we'll finish up Chris's story and see how he navigates the whirlwind of emotions that come with the loss of a relationship that felt like it was what he was ready for. Each of us is a constantly unfolding narrative, a hero in a novel no one else can write, which is why I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these stories here on this podcast. You see, if I could sum up everything I've learned from being a mental health educator, it would boil down to one thing. You are not alone. I believe in the healing power of telling your story and sharing with the world. And so I created an opportunity. I'm so solidly behind when it comes to healing from trauma and tragedy due to the darkness of mental illness. As Someone who's a listener of this podcast, I want to personally invite you to the Storyteller community. For $5 a month, the Storyteller community is a private, self-led community for those willing to do the work to create lasting transformation on their path to greater mental clarity. It's a community that thrives in the mindset that 
in our oneness, we can find an opportunity to truly heal. Head over to the website at fragilemoments.org community today to learn more. I cannot wait to have you be part of the storyteller community with me as we share our collective stories and journeys from all over the world. So head over to fragilemoments.org community and let's build, share, and heal together. People from all over the world have been sending in questions, and it turns out that most of us are dealing with the same kinds of things, from breakups and loss to work pressure, racism to gender, dealing with parents to dealing with social media, and want to talk more about them. So ask me anything. Head over to the website today at fragilemoments.org ask. Whatever you think our generation needs to have conversations about when it comes to what weighs on us and causes our mental health struggles. Sometimes I'll combine research with my own thoughts, and other times I'll bring in an expert for a chat on social media where you can join the conversation. All submissions are anonymous. I only ask for general demographic info in order to understand our reach and our impact. So head to fragilemoments.org slash ask today. And remember, I'm just a human being like you. I just happen to think we should talk more. We got an apartment, and the moment that we got the apartment, we started fighting more because now she knows I got to be home. So we start fighting more, you know. I'm a little bit behind on the wedding part because I had to pay a dress, ring, and everything. And I started letting, I had a painting company, I started letting that company kind of dictate my day. Because I'm like, no, I have to pay for the wedding and the only way I can pay for it is if I put more time in this. Yeah, so that kind of started, like, really hurting our relationship. Um, And she found out how much we owed for the wedding. She started getting mad. And from then, we started becoming really distant. We didn't really talk to each other for a couple, for a week or two. She breaks up with me 20-something days before our, our wedding. And I found out that it was the ex that she was still talking to. Two days before, I guess it was the the day that we kind of fixed it, I, I guess. Um, since that day to the day we split, they were talking. Being cheated on is a devastating experience that can cause immense emotional pain and trauma. Infidelity can happen in any relationship and can leave the, the victim feeling betrayed and hurt. Cheating is a betrayal of trust that can shatter the foundation of any relationship. When you find out your partner has been unfaithful in any way, shape, or form, it can be a complete shock to your system. You may feel like your entire world has been turned upside down, and the realization that that person you loved and trusted has been lying to you can be incredibly painful. Infidelity takes many forms, such as emotional affairs, physical affairs, or online relationships. Regardless of the type of infidelity, the betrayal can be difficult to process. You may feel like you have been living in a world of lies and deception, and it can be challenging to come to terms with this new reality. But literally, the day right after we split, um, I reached out to friends. I heard a, a speaker once said that, he's like, he was talking mostly about COVID, but he's like, when somebody's at the darkest time, you gotta talk to somebody. Because sometimes it's hearing someone's, someone else help you out, everything end. I knew I didn't want to talk to my friends because um, my friends are going to choose my side. I don't need. I I needed to talk to somebody who was neutral on both our sides. 
because if I talk to my friends, it's gonna be like, you know, screw her, do this to get at her, hurt her feelings. Yeah, rather than, but a lot of, even a lot of the people that were uh, mutual friends of both of us, and they really loved both of us. Um, they kind of said almost the same thing as my friends did, which I was like, ouch. Um, not like screw her, but they're just like, you know, I'm sorry, Chris, etc. You two are probably the best thing combination ever because she's like a go-getter and you're like the cool, calm, collected guy. And um, yeah, they're just saying like, maybe she's going through something. Maybe this, maybe that, maybe this. And, you know, I gave them the benefit of that. I'm like, maybe. Um, but every time like I felt like drinking, I felt depression. Something's... You'll be probably one of the first people to know this. Um, again, it's not about me. It's about helping others. Um, there's been a lot of nights where we have two beds. So she just stayed at the guest bed. I, uh, I couldn't sleep. I was hearing a little, maybe word, you know, the enemy speaking to me. And uh, I ended up picking up a gun and probably put it in the front of my head maybe three or four times. That whole time I was there. I was just like... I've never, I mean, I've never felt this feeling. The emotional toll of being cheated on can be overwhelming. It's a common experience to feel a range of emotions, such as anger, sadness, hurt, and confusion. You may feel like you're on an emotional roller coaster with highs and lows that are difficult to manage. You may struggle with feelings of inadequacy and wonder what you did wrong. These emotions can be all-consuming and can impact your mental health and well-being. Moving forward after being cheated on is a difficult process. It's important to take time to process your emotions and work through your feelings. It's also important to note that healing after infidelity, just like any other mental health struggle, it's not a linear process. You may experience setbacks or triggers that bring up old emotions. It's important to keep seeking support and practice self-care, even as time goes on. So, yeah, so it does hurt. And then what, what always went in my mind was, I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this pain. I don't know how to talk to anybody about, again, me putting a gun to my head. Because I don't want people to be looking at me differently and start assuming I'm always that depressed guy. So, there was, nothing could have really stopped me from pulling that trigger. No matter how long you've been with a partner, for many, a breakup can feel like a big old sucker punch in the stomach and heart. The emotions that follow the end of a relationship run high and can range from sadness and despair to anger and frustration. Some find they develop depression or experience post-traumatic relationship disorder, while others may rely on vices such as alcohol to help them through. But these responses can be classified as grief, and if so, what can be done about them? Because we often ask ourselves, is it okay to grieve a relationship? Grief is primarily associated with the death of a loved one, but it's not limited to this event alone. It's okay to grieve over a relationship and not feel ashamed or awkward about doing so. Grief is very much a natural human reaction to a relationship ending. It's the process of working through a broken heart, so to speak. So remember, while there may not have been a physical loss per se, you've still lost something that held great significance in your life. Yeah, like another thing too, like. Again, um, you'll be the, actually the only person to ever know this one. What I used to do in order for me to like know if I truly did, for, I don't want to say forget her, but forgive her, move on with my life, 
and perceive my life is I heard our wedding song every single day until it stopped affecting me. There are plenty of cliches that suggest men are less emotional than women and therefore might not mourn the end of a relationship. But the reality is somewhat different. Thoughts and feelings related to grief aren't gendered. Everyone experiences grief. Instead, gender stereotypes mean that men are often socialized to avoid or suppress displays of emotion. In a recent study, over 5,000 individuals found that while women feel higher emotional and physical pain after a breakup, men will feel the hurt for longer. Meanwhile, in a study back in 2015 of over 184,000 people discovered that men were likely to discuss their relationships and heartache online. Ultimately, there is no one rule that fits any gender in particular, and stereotyping in general is not a good idea from any standpoint. It was it was just hard because it was technically considered, I don't want to consider, but it was my favorite song. We made it a wedding song. So I can, I can, I mean, I can now say that I still listen to it maybe every once in a while, but I don't have that feeling. No, like it's, I love the song now from the song rather than the meaning behind it. Following the end of a relationship, ending of a relationship, even if you're the person who initiated the breakup, grief is a natural process. There are no set stages of healing that individuals go through, and the emotional response will be influenced by factors such as the length and intensity of the relationship the reasons behind the breakup, and any potential attachment issues. Some days, it might feel like the grief will last forever, but there is light at the end of the tunnel, particularly if you implement coping strategies. You may still be hit with a wave at times, but the more you accept and work through the grief process with honesty, the more you will be able to see the wave coming. And I know there are calm seas ahead. You aren't going to suddenly feel better after getting out of a toxic relationship. Although you might feel some relief, certainly. It will take time for you to fully and truly heal. So be patient with yourself as you go through this process. Thank you to Chris for taking the time to let us see what grief looks like after ending one of those toxic relationships. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background music by Chad Lawson. Those stories, though, well, they're entirely yours. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory. If there's something that resonated with you today in this episode, let me know over at at storysharingpod over on Twitter. Above all, thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to What's Your Story and helping me shed some much-needed light on mental illness. As always, any show, big or small, but especially a small one like this one, survives based on reviews from you. So give this episode a review when you're done processing all you heard today over on Apple Podcasts so that others can see how important stories like these are to share. Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to hearing your story one day, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung. <laughs>